just pray real quick. Lord, we come to you now, and Lord, we're just so, so thankful, so grateful of your loving kindness towards us. Holy Spirit, we invite your presence here now. Would you just come and brood among us? Lord, would you anoint your word? Would you anoint our hearing to receive your word? And Father, we just want to know you more. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, worship team did a great job as usual. And that second song, I Belong to You, um, I was just basking. Last night we had four friends over, and uh, they got over about 6 o'clock, and we just talked until 11 o'clock at night for five hours. All we did is talk about nothing better than him, nothing better than you was the song that we sang. And for five hours, just testimony after testimony of the privilege and the blessings of knowing God and God operating in your life. And each story just got better and better and better. It's amazing the God we serve, isn't it? Just how personal he is and, and how deeply he cares for us and how each and every one of us, if, if given the time, could just share unending stories about his grace and mercy in our lives. Amen? Amen. So today, I want to talk to you about pastoring the prophetic. Um, I was going to call it prophetic pitfalls, because I think with everything 2020 threw at us, um, one of the big areas that the church got hit with was the attacks on the prophetic. So what, what does the Bible say about prophecy? First of all, it says that we all may prophesy. Prophecy is a gift, but it's a gift available to each and every one of us. The prophet Joel said, in the last days, your sons and daughters will prophesy. So that's our goal. That's my goal in training up people, especially my, son, my sons and daughters. When I say sons, I'm talking spiritual sons, but my daughters in the natural as well. To train them up to prophesy. It's so essential, it's so important that they have a handle and a grip on that. But everyone is given the ability to prophesy. The Apostle Paul said, earnestly desire spiritual gifts, especially the greater gifts, the gift of prophecy. So Paul said, man, just go after it. Pastor Tim taught Wednesday that that translation is lust after the gift of prophecy. That's how deeply we should want it, is that we're lusting after it. So you have to ask yourself, am I hotly pursuing the gift of prophecy in my life? And if not, why not? I think the why for most of you is because you've had a lot of bad experiences with the prophetic. And so today, again, I want to pastor this a little bit. Moses said, I wish that all God's people were prophets. Moses, one of the greatest prophets that ever lived, he says, man, I wish everybody was a prophet. So how is it that the greatest gift that the church has been given has brought so much shame on us in the last year or so? And one of the things I'm talking about is the elephant in the room is all the Trump prophecies that Donald Trump would win the 2020 election. And I'm not going to get into politics. I'm not going to share my opinions on what happened, what didn't happen, but I just want to suffice it to say that given the historical fact that President Trump did not win the 2020 election, and you may say, well, it was stolen or whatever, all I'm saying is the people who said that he would be elected president in 2020 
Obviously, a month later, we can see that didn't happen. So what happens when prophecy obviously misses the mark? How do we respond? What do we do with that? You know, do we cover it up? Do we ignore it? Or do we address it? And so my hope today is just to bring some, some perspective to address it, okay? The hardest thing about the prophetic is pastoring the prophetic. And uh, we've been blessed as a church that we have pastors that, that desire to pastor it because most churches are of the mind it's too messy, it's too divisive, and it's too hard to control, so therefore we don't allow it. And this church is a training church. This is a training center. And we want everybody to use the gifts to their fullest. And we want to do everything in our power and our ability to encourage you to use whatever gift God has given you. And you're allowed to make mistakes here. We're okay with that. That's how we learn. And that's how we teach. So I just encourage you to get engaged, to get involved. And, and know that you have people here that are willing to pastor it. And that's hard on us because, I mean, we have to confront people and we have to call people out and we have to speak correction at times. And nobody likes to do that. But you know what? For the greater good, it's really important, isn't it? So with the prophetic and with the things that went haywire in 2020, my main message today is don't throw the baby out with the bathwater, okay? That's what everybody's trying to do now. It's over. It's done. Um, you know, prophecy is fake. I'm over it. And I think that is the worst attitude that we can have because this is not a time to pile on the prophetic. It's not a time to criticize it, especially as the church, but it's time to really restore it and see that God brings it back to where it needs to be. One of the enemy subplots last year was to silence the church, and not just the church, but her prophets as well, right? And I'll tell you, we've been, we've been so attacked, especially in the area of speech. And they're trying to negate and relegate us to the back of the line and to make us insignificant or mock us or make a, a laughing stock out of us. And we have to resist that. We have to stand strong. We have to stand united. If there's ever a time when we need to speak up and, and bring this correction to this vital gift, it's, it's now. So the church is called to be prophetic, and so the enemy wants to shut down our voice. It's a major tactical move in any war, right, any offensive. The first thing you do is you control the communication. You go for the radio stations, you go for the TV stations, you go for the media outlets, and today, you know, it's the social media as well. And what you do is you do everything you can to control it. And if anything has been exposed is the control that the media has and the communication that they've shanghaied. And so be aware of these, these feeds that are coming to you because this is all by design to control the communications. So what went wrong? I kind of want to do a post-mortem, kind of an autopsy, if you will, on some of the things that happened, because most of the things that happened with the prophecies that went awry were pretty much things that can be taught, things that can be learned, 
There's safeguards that we put in place for the prophetic. We have an amazing prophecy team in this church, and we just drill, and we do activation exercises, and we train, and we teach, and we read books together, and, and we challenge each other because we want to be as pure as we can. We want to be as accurate as we can. If you're on the prophecy team here this morning, would you just stand up for a minute just so we can acknowledge you? So, um, Allison, stand up. Yeah, so these are a few. And they're dedicated to honing their gift, honing their craft. And you say, well, how do you learn prophecy? It's a gift. But I'll tell you what, if I gave a 13-year-old boy a chainsaw as a gift, I don't just give it to him and say, hey, here's a gift, have at it. I, I'm responsible for making sure he can handle that gift, right? And so the same with prophecy. You know, we get this gift, but we have to be trained in how to use it properly so that we don't do damage, but we do good with it. So one of the things is, on our best day, 1 Corinthians says that when it comes to prophecy, we see through a glass darkly. That's our best day, our very best we see through a glass darkly, right? So what's the percentage, you think, of getting prophecies right 100% of the time if you're looking through a glass darkly? That's challenge number one, is getting clarity on that prophetic word. So what do you do when you're seeing through a glass darkly? If you had to look through a dark glass, I used to weld, and you know, you put that helmet down, you don't see much of anything, but you're looking through a dark glass. And what happens? You hold it closer to your face, right? Because you're trying to peer through the darkness. And so when you're seeing that dark glass of prophecy, you draw it closer. The second thing is you concentrate. You have to really look at it. I used to put my helmet up, stare at the piece of metal, then put the helmet down and try to go from memory until my eyes got to a point where I could focus in on the work. But you have to concentrate when you're looking through that dark glass. And then lastly, what do you do? You hold it up to the light, right? If you're looking through a dark bottle, the best thing to do is hold it up to the light, and the light can help expose and reveal what content it is that you want to see. Okay, so far so good. The next thing is the anatomy of a prophetic word, and I've shared this with you before, but there's three parts to a prophetic word, and there's three ways that a prophetic word can get off track. The first is revelation, second is interpretation, and third is application. So we teach RIA, R-I-A. The first is revelation. What is it that God is saying? You know, what is the revelation? So it's really important that we get this right. So if you're tuned in, if you can hear the voice of God, it's so important that you write it down and you date it. Our team can tell you I'm like a broken record because when someone comes to me with a prophetic word, first thing I say, did you write it down? Did you date it? You know, And I know they're sick of hearing it, but it's so important that you document it, that you write it down because the revelation is so important. And if you're relying on memory or you start paraphrasing that revelation, you're going to get in trouble in a hurry. I remember years ago, I was an elder at a church and I had the duty of doing pre-service prayer. And one morning, God revealed to me that this lady, Heather, was going to uh, attack us and that there would be a damaging prophecy. So I went to the pastor and I reported to him. I said, 
hey, pastor, I said, uh, Heather's going to give us a damaging prophecy this morning. So he says, okay. He says, all the elders sit behind Heather. <laughs> so we all sat behind Heather, who was known to give damaging prophecies, but, but we had a heads up, this one's going to be a doozy. And so as service started, some lady, never been there before, sitting in the front row on this side, jumps up and gives a scorching prophecy. And we're all over here. We're like, no, you know, and the and, uh, lady got it out, and then she promptly left. And it was just like, whoa, what was that all about? So the rest of the service, we're on alert watching Heather and nothing. She's a perfect little lady the whole service. So after service, the pastor calls me in the office and said, hey, what did you tell me this morning? I said, Heather's going to give us a damaging prophecy. He said, is that what God said? I said, no. Um, actually, he said that there would be an attack from Heather and that there'd be a damaging prophecy. He said, that's two, two things, right? I said, yeah. He said, we had the damaging prophecy. And he said, when I got done preaching, I went back to my office, and he holds up seven sheets of paper. He said, this is an attack from Heather. Seven pages of just scorching accusations against him. And so here I took a prophetic word, and I melded them together. And what did I do? I ruined the revelation. I misrepresented the revelation. So from that day forward, I've stewarded the revelation very carefully. Okay? So that's an example. So with a lot of these Trump prophecies, what went wrong? The people who said Trump will be reelected in 2020, I think history has proven those weren't correct prophecies. But if you said Trump is going to be a, a two-term president, that's different, right? And so when people come to me with those words, I'm like, what exactly did you hear? And if they say a two-term president, that's still plausible, right? There's a possibility he could come back in 2024, um, maybe, maybe 2028, who knows? But it's still in the realm of possibility. But if you say God said he's going to be reelected in 2020, I think that's game over, right? So that, that needs correction. So be careful. What's the revelation? What's exactly the revelation? Number two, interpretation. This is where I think most prophetic words go wrong. And just a quick example, um, we were doing a teaching out in Rochester. We were asked to teach uh, the prophetic class that we teach in DI. And so we had about 15 people at this meeting and Eric Eide, I don't think he's here today, but Eric and my wife Luann went to this group of people who are new to the gifts, but they're spiritually hungry. And we said, well, first thing we do before we teach, we're going to model it. So that first Sunday, we went around, and there were 15 people, and we prophesied over each person, gave them a personal prophecy. So we had three people praying. So that's 45 prophecies, right? Three times 15. And we were hitting on all cylinders, man. It was great. The Holy Spirit was moving. People were just uh, so excited. And it's so exciting when you hear a prophetic word, not just for yourself, but when you hear a prophetic word for someone you know, and you know that person praying has no idea who they are or what's going on. And so they were all smiles until I got to a lady named Donna. And I looked at her, and I saw clearly. I said, you are standing in water waist deep, and I said, but something is holding you back. And God is saying he wants you all in. He wants you fully immersed. He wants you all wet. 
What is holding you back? Why aren't you obeying? So Donna is shaking her head no, and all the other people in the room are shaking their head no, like, wow, you couldn't be more wrong. So I'll tell you what, that jars your confidence a little bit, right? So I'm like, how could I have gotten this so wrong? And so everyone's starting to stick up for Donna. You don't know this lady. She's the most radical, the most sold out. She'd go to the ends of the earth for God. You really miss this. So the 45 good prophecies were all negated by this one bad prophecy, right? But it was an interpretation problem because guess what? Two weeks later, I see Donna, and she tells the entire group, she goes, two weeks ago, you prayed over me, and you said I wasn't all in. You saw me standing in water waist deep, and you said that I was supposed to be fully immersed. She goes, I prayed into that word. She took responsibility for the word. And God said, that man is right. I want you baptized. I had explained perfectly water baptism, but everybody interpreted me saying she's not committed. She's not all in. But God wanted her fully immersed. He wanted her all wet. And I'll tell you what, that just redeemed everything, right? So quick example of an interpretation problem. And then third, application. So application is those times when you get the revelation right, you probably get the interpretation right, but you apply it wrongly. And that's a great example. Sometimes on a Sunday morning, you'll hear a brother or sister on this side saying, shout it out loud, speak up, don't, don't hold back, scream to the top of your lungs. And then the next prophecy is silence, don't say a word, <laughs> right? How many times does that happen? And you're sitting there scratching your head and you're thinking, of all the days I bring my aunt to service, <laughs> you know, they have to hear this. And so we get these dueling prophecies, don't we? But what happens most of those times is it's an application problem because the one who was told to be quiet, to shut up, was probably a personal word, right? That wasn't supposed to be shared with the, the rest of the congregation. So God wants everyone to speak up except that one person you're not supposed to speak. You're not supposed to talk. And so, typical application problem. I know I'm oversimplifying, but just want to get the point across. So the next thing where prophecy goes wrong is jurisdiction and levels. Within uh, uh, prophecy, there's different gift levels, right? There's the spirit of prophecy, which I consider the shallow end of the pool, when the spirit of prophecy just drops down on somebody and unbeknownst to them, they're just starting to prophesy. And it's amazing when it happens, but it's not something typical. It's not something that happens on a regular basis for you. The second, the, the more deeper end is the gift of prophecy, where you're developing the gift and you're getting to be pretty accurate. And then last is the office of prophet, where you, know, you, you are seen and esteemed by others as someone that, that carries the authority of the office of prophet. And I think during 2020, we saw a lot of people operating way beyond their gift ability. And that causes problems. Jurisdictions as well. You know, you might have the gift of prophecy maybe at a church level, maybe at a city level, maybe a state level. And you're trying to give these national prophecies regarding elections and presidents and dates and times and things like that. You're way out of your league. And so... With the advent of the internet, anybody can ordain themselves a prophet. Anybody has a platform, right? Anybody can start sharing dreams and visions and get, uh, you know, go viral. 
basically. And so now they're, they're operating in this realm that's way above their training, way above their ability, way above their authority, and that's when things can get really out of kilter. The next thing, false prophecies versus false prophets. And uh, I'll probably get in a little trouble here, but as an example, let's say, heaven forbid, Pastor Tim, who's an amazing teacher, gives us a bad teaching next Sunday. I mean, it's way off. It's doctrinally in the weeds, right? And we're like, what in the world happened there? You know, we wouldn't call for Tim to be stoned. We wouldn't say, Pastor Tim is a false teacher because of this one teaching, would we? No, we'd say that was, that was a false teaching. He's not a false teacher. It was a false teaching. Because what do you got to do? You got to weigh it against the entire catalog of Pastor Tim's teaching and just say, once in a while, we miss it. And same thing with prophecy. You know, we're so quick to label people false prophet, but maybe it was just a false prophecy. Maybe it was a revelation problem, an interpretation problem, an application problem. So I just want to caution you before you pin labels. And again, right after the election, everybody was trying to, to pin blame and, and call people false prophets when some of these people who I know just got it wrong, just flat out got it wrong. But I don't consider them false prophets. I just, they had a bad prophecy. We've had not only false prophets, but we have had false teachers, false apostles, false shepherds. A lot of people have been hurt by these false gifts, right? And I know way more people that have been hurt by false shepherds or false teachers than by false prophets. Because, you know, any one of those gifts can have issues. So when we assign infallibility to a man, we try to make him equal to God's perfection. So we're under grace, and, you know, we, we can't be perfect. Jesus is the only perfect prophet. And so on those occasions, if we should miss it, we need to be humble. We need to apologize. We need to recognize something went wrong, and we need to get back on track, but not throw the baby out with the bathwater. The next issue, lack of submission. Again, as I mentioned earlier, with social media, anybody can be a prophet. Anybody can get their stuff out there. Anybody can go viral with their prophecies. And so you have to be careful. Who is this person? Is this person vetted? Is this person under any kind of spiritual authority? Or is this just some lone gun ranger? We have that even here in this church where I'll get people saying, hey, a prophet from C3 prophesied over me at Rite Aid. And I'm like, no, I wasn't from C3. And they're like, well, how do you know? Because our people at C3 are trained. We don't call ourselves prophets. We don't consider anybody in our group at that level. We're all striving to attain that. But we caution not to use that term unless it's genuine, unless it's been validated, unless you've been ordained as that. So I say it wasn't anybody on our prophecy team, and I've never been wrong yet. And come to find out it's someone in the congregation who's kind of a loose cannon that doesn't want to be part of the prophecy team, that doesn't want to come under authority, and is out there just kind of freewheeling and, and calling themselves the Top Gun prophet. So be careful. You know, we're looking for people who want to come under authority so that they have that protection. And that not only protects them, it protects the people they're prophesying too, right? Um, the one good thing about the Internet is it provides a history, right? Back in the day, you could prophesy anything, 
and somebody could say, hey, that was a false prophecy, and there's enough wiggle room where you could get out of it. But now we have recordings and videos and stuff like that. So that's one benefit to having it. And that's why if you ever come to our prophecy rooms, the first thing we tell you is pull out your recorder and record this. Because it protects those who are prophesying as much as it protects those who are receiving the prophecy. Um, we need leaders who can pastor the prophetic. I, I think that's really a challenge in this day. So as we train up people, we need people who are willing to pastor it. The prophetic leaders who have missed it really need to apologize. They need to come forward. And I think this is a teaching moment for the church. And so if you truly missed it, be humble. You know, show some humility. Say, I got it wrong, and, and I want to get this right. So that's really important. Um, and lastly, if you're out there prophesying, get under authority. You know, don't be a lone gun. It's just too dangerous. The next thing is teaching the church to to judge and test prophecy. Um, the Bible warns us against false and true prophets. It tells us in 1 Thessalonians this, do not quench a spirit, do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test them all, hold on to what is good. That's your responsibility, to test it, to hold on to it. Um, you know, we talked many times about candling. It's a term that they use in egg farming when the farmer looks at an egg and he holds it up to the light, right? There's that looking through the glass darkly, and he holds it up to the light. If there's life in it, that egg goes to the hatchery. If there's no life in it, it goes in the bucket to the bakery, right? And so that's what you need to do. Anytime someone gives you a prophetic word, hold it up to the light. Who's the light? Jesus is the light, right? What do you say about this word, Jesus? Is this the right word or not? Uh, peer pressure. Um, and having a pure filter. I think one of the things that happened in 2020 is the airwaves are just filled with lying spirits. And I think a lot of people who got caught up in the prophetic tapped into some of these lying spirits. And what happens is when you're prophesying and you're the odd man out, everybody's prophesying win, 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 and you're hearing lose, lose, lose. What happens? You kind of cave sometimes, right? Peer pressure will cause you to say, okay, I, I must be the wrong one because everybody else has got the alternate word. And so a lot of people, I think, get confused and, and they cave. And, you know, Pastor and Tim and I had many talks over the prophetic bulletin the last two years. And one of the things I kept saying over and over, I just don't have clarity. I just see confusion. I don't understand which of these words is pure and which ones aren't because there was a lot of mixture in those words and so we were very reluctant so this lying spirit we see it everywhere it's been termed fake news and so what are you feeding yourself what feeds are coming into your mind into your spirit are you buying into all these feeds that are out there that are false information so that's your job to keep your filter pure there's actually been exposed that there's algorithms out there that, that track all your activity on the internet and they start feeding you things that support your beliefs. That's evil. That's just plain old evil. And what it does, it supports either side, but more than that, it causes division, right? Because the right gets more right and the left gets more left. And so we got this polarization that's happening and it's all by design. It's all by design. 
So we got to be careful. Shut those things off. Shut those things down. Don't drink that polluted water that keeps coming into your home. During, during 2020, the Lord put me on a personal lockdown. I was all set to do, um, you know, a webcast or Facebook Live. I said, well, I'm going to just get the streaming equipment, and I'm going to put out an encouraging word every day. And, you know, it was like the thing everybody was doing. So I was going to jump on the bandwagon. I was set to go, and the Lord said, don't you dare. He told me, I don't want any more noise in the pipeline. There's enough noise. There's enough confusion. Stay out of it. Then he told me regarding Facebook, and again, this isn't a condemnation against anybody in this room. I want to make this clear. This was a personal word to me. God said to me, don't mix the holy with the profane. So he did not want me mixing the two. And I think we see in hindsight now how right that word was because what did Facebook and Twitter do? They start filtering and censoring the Christian voices, right? So anyways, I, I think that was really important. Uh, I am used to hunt, and so when you hunt with hunting dogs, I, I just think this was such a great metaphor. A lot of times when the winds are shifting and there's no prevailing wind, but the winds are just swirling around. You send the dog out, and the dog gets the scent momentarily. And then all of a sudden, he gets confused because as the wind shift, he loses track. But he knows there's a bird out there. And so when they get confused, they start getting agitated, and they start getting jumpy. And the best thing a hunter can do is call the dog back and tell him to heal. And that's what I think 2020 was a lot, a lot was happening is God calling us back telling us to heal. So you get the dog to your side, you settle the dog down, you, you let his nasal passages clear out, and then you send him out when you're confident that he's been cleaned out, his filter's pure, and he can get the scent again. And so I think during this time, I think that's one of the things that God was doing, is making sure that our filter's pure. So the road to recovery is that we as a church cannot allow the prophetic to be taken away from us. We can't allow it. I think 2020 was a giant MRI for the church. And we're seeing the wheat and the tares coming to full-grown stature. And it's getting easier and easier to recognize the true from the false. Amen? It's getting so easy. So pay attention to that. We need the prophetic more now than we've ever needed it. What are you going to do when you talk to our friends in China and they say, you have no way of knowing where the next meeting is unless the Holy Spirit reveals it to you, right? That's prophetic. That's the Spirit guiding you and leading you. And we need to hone that gift. So I think this is a time to correct, but more than anything, as we recalibrate, I think this is a time for us as a church to double down with the prophetic. Amen? We need to go after it harder but we need to make it pure and cleaner. The best thing to drive out false prophecy is genuine prophecy, right? Because I'll tell you what, if you're in a room and you're a false prophet and you start hearing some genuine prophecies, it shuts you down faster than anything because you don't want your flesh to be exposed, right? So I want to end with, um, I was reading um, in one of the Gospels and Jesus was confronted by the Pharisees and they said, you know, trying to trip them up. What do you say are the greatest commands? And we all know it's number one, love God with all your heart, 
mind, soul, and strength. And number two, love your neighbors yourself. And then he says, upon these rests the law and the prophets. And I just like, what, what exactly does that mean, the law and the prophets? I've, I've read that a lot, and I've seen that a lot. But as I started to research, basically what Jesus was saying, in Scripture, and remember, they didn't have the New Testament, right? It was all Old Testament in that day. And Jesus divided the word into the law and the prophets. So the first five books of this Bible right here, this is the law. This is the Pentateuch, right? These are the legal books. There's 39 books, and five of them are books of the law. So Jesus is saying, the law, I didn't come to abolish it. I came to fulfill it. So this is about 13% of the Old Testament. And then he said, and the prophets. Do you think prophecy is important? Look at this. This is, what, uh, 87%. 87% of the Old Testament is prophecy. And then we have the New Testament, right? In the New Testament, the Word tells us that the the spirit of prophecy is the revelation of Jesus. And so in the New Testament, sorry, get all these other papers up here. But here we have the New Testament, and this is all prophecy, right? Because it's a testimony of Jesus. It testifies who he is. It's amazing. So almost 92% of my Bible is prophecy. And the rest is law. And under the law, just consider this. There's prophecy even under the law, right? The second chapter of Genesis, you know, when you eat of that tree, right? That's a prophetic word. I'm going to put enmity between your seed and the devil, you know? That's a prophetic word. And as you go through the Pentateuch, there's a lot of prophecy within the law. So I think it's no wonder the enemy is trying to shut down prophecy because this is what we stand on. This is our all in all. And so if there's ever a time to double down, this is a time. Our theme for the year, stand and proclaim, right? So what are you going to take a stand on? I don't know about you, but I'm standing on this. And this is the prophetic. And I'm going to proclaim it. I'm going to say It's true, it's pure, it's necessary, it's our heritage. So that's what I want to do is take that stand and proclaim it.